Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. See you finally back in the wind column, and it feels good to be back. I don't care if it was against Arizona. We'll we'll celebrate a little bit today, but the celebration may be short lived. We'll see what everyone thinks about it. Was it a big win, or was it just another beat up of what was uh, maybe an FCS team disguised as an FBS team this year in the Pac-12? I'm Tyler Walji. He's Jared. All to my right, Jared. What's going on? Yeah, it was fun to watch that win, Tyler. Uh, it was good. It makes the weekend so much yeah. better. But, yeah, I mean, Arizona might be the worst team in college football. Well, look, they're not good. They are. <laughs> <laughs> they lost to FAU this year, which is kind of like if CU would have lost to UNC week one. It's the um, same kind of thing. Can I add on to that, though? Uh, that? FAU actually lost to Northern Colorado. This Did they year. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, so Arizona, we knew – it was uh, well. It should have hey, gone. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come in with that vibe. I, let's let's back it up well, and go. Well, yes, it's a win, Tyler. It's I'm excited win. about the win, and I think it's a good thing that we're finally back in the win column. But let's not overreact because it was Arizona, and and I think that right now a lot of people out there in Buffs Nation are completely split about how to react to this. Now, I will say, at least on social media, that's how I kind of keep tabs on what people are saying, thinking, feeling, and I understand a lot of you listening may not be on social media, so on and so forth, but it's still a good way to see what's going on in, in the minds of Buffs fans. And there's overwhelming positivity. You know, people think that it's 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 back on the right track. This is a, a good news, you know, good news for the program and CU. But overall, I did have a lot of things that I still walked away from that game concerned about. Now, let's just go to halftime. When the score was 6-0, and the Buffs just stopped Arizona on a first and goal from the one-yard line, okay? I'm not going to do the whole, what if they score? What's the game like? Because it could have gone a million ways. But the fact that it was 6-0, Colorado just stops Arizona, and... They decide, okay, it's it's whatever, minute left, we're going to milk the clock, it's halftime. Well, something happens with 19 seconds left. Torosiu burns a timeout, looks pathetic, running over the sideline, trying to figure everything out. And I actually saw, I, I ran into Ryan, producer Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? How are you doing today? Good, Tyler. I ran into producer Ryan at halftime. I said, hey, producer Ryan, what's going on over there? And I proceeded to yell. Was that how you describe it? I was yelling? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, you uh, were in real rough shape about the whole, the whole situation. And then not only that, but called me about two hours after the game when I'm sitting on my couch and I needed to talk him off the ledge again. I was not happy, Jared. So so <laughs> halftime happens and we're only up 6 nothing. The offense looked really not good at all in the first half. I mean, let's not get lost in the whole final score of 34 nothing. There were three touchdowns that the offense didn't produce this game. Okay. Was it two special teams? Uh, and uh, one special teams and a defense. I thought it was two special teams, one defense. No, they just had the block punt and then Carson Wells pick six. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm showing no touchdowns here for... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Brennan Lewis did throw two. two. Yeah. yeah, Brennan Lewis did throw two. My bad. So they scored two, uh, one defensive, one special team. So, okay, that's 14 points. So the offense is responsible for what? 20 of the points against Arizona? So that's the issue. Okay. We go in halftime. And it wasn't just the fact that it was 6 nothing. It's like, okay, CU's working some stuff out. I've learned you don't stop the game at halftime. It's okay as long as you're looking decent, or at least looking improved. But that 
time out. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because no one's talking about it. It's such a moot point at this at this <laughs> point in the thing. But that to me was the quintessential idea of why I'm so upset with this coaching staff. Still, it's that you call the timeout with 19 seconds left. For what reason? You decided you're milking the clock. Just take a knee on the freaking football and get into the half. So what? you know what the coaching staff would say? If Carl Durrell was in this room right now, or Darren Chivarini, he'd say, hey, you podcast idiot. We didn't have good communication. We tried to get a play in. This is what happens. If you don't have communication, you make sure you get it in. My issue with this, and my whole point is you shouldn't have that communication error in the first place. It should be so in cement. Okay, run clock, take any, let's get out of here. I guarantee you 128 out of 130 teams can easily do that. Unfortunately, we're probably one of the two who can't. So that was my issue at halftime. It's like, guys, we don't even look like a coordinated football team. We don't even look like we know what the heck's going on out there. And also it was 6 nothing at halftime. Well, the defensive touchdown, the special teams touchdown, Arizona quits pretty much, and the Buffs roll a high school team. So am I going to leave the game, drive home from Folsom, whistling, singing the foul? Woo, we are back. Absolutely not. We did what we were supposed to, and I think we did half of what we were supposed to. I think CU should have come out there and scored 34 offensive points. That's what I would have been happy with. But you read cubuffs.com. You know, I, I, I'll say this. A lot of the writers for cubuffs.com are actually on the same, have offices a couple doors down from the coach. So how how honest do you think a lot of these articles are going to be? But everyone's Pat and Brennan Lewis on the back. And oh, the, all those little changes must have added up to a big, big buffs win. We are seeing the changes we need. Hold on a second. Brennan Lewis went 12 of 19. He had a 44.5 quarterback rating, which was a bottom 20 quarterback rating over the weekend. I know he threw for 248. Two touchdowns, no picks. That doesn't matter. And what I love about some other websites like PFF College or some more advanced analytic websites, they don't just look at stat lines, aka 12 of 19, 248 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. They look at how the passes happened. Now, here's an example. If Brendan Lewis throws a perfect ball to Montana Lamonius Craig, it goes through Montana's hands and the defense picks it off. On the stat sheet, that looks like an incomplete pass for an interception. Okay, But advanced websites, advanced data shows, no, that was a perfect pass that was dropped and it fell into the defender's hands. We're not going to downgrade Brendan Lewis for that. We're going to downgrade Montana for that. And frankly, we're not going to give the defense much credit either. It fell right in the guys. So that's how advanced stats work. They look at the context of every play. And Brandon Lewis, throwing a lot of short passes, a lot of yards after catch, I understand he went deep a couple times. I didn't see really the improvement I expected to see after the bye week. Did you guys? I would say I, I came away from the game seeing a similar game as you, but I think the way I respond and feel about it is in a very different place because the way I would kind of describe it as a whole is I saw that they were capable of doing it. Now, was it consistently there on the level it should have been against a team as bad of Arizona, which as we came into the show, I, I said what I truly believe. I think Arizona is the worst team in, in FBS right now. That is a terrible football team. Uh, it, 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 like What I saw on the field there is... is not, they're not going to get anyways. They're they're going on two calendar years since they have won a game. Yeah, Arizona, Arizona, yeah, yeah. and so the, from the bus. But to see Brendan Lewis at times, and I'm going to reference that last touchdown to Dimitri Stanley. He made some great throws on time. I think the 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 play calling was more conducive to be successful for him. 
Again, I will state, I think Arizona's defense, or lack thereof, was probably also part of getting getting this offense going. But utilizing Brendan Rice in different ways that they had not done so far this year to get arguably their best playmaker, the ball in his hands, I think was great from this coaching staff. So I did see improvements. I saw things that were moving in the right direction. They showed me that Brandon Lewis is capable of making those throws. Now, is he capable of doing it on a high level against better competition? I don't know, and I don't think we're going to get a chance to see that this year because I don't think he's going to perform this well or that well against great competition. Yeah, Brendan Rice, three catches, 111 yards, one touchdown, one of two touchdown catches for the Buffs. I want to be clear about my point here. And for new listeners to the show, I appreciate you guys joining uh, and uh, listening, telling your friends. Um, I'm, you know, about the biggest CU fan I know. I know you guys are obviously huge CU fans. That's why we do this show. I love the Buffs. You know, this isn't some tough love thing where I expect CU to be Alabama, and it's not something where I don't have realistic expectations. I think everyone else around me has lowered the bar for what they expect from CU football so drastically. That's what I don't like. Is that everyone? wants to, hey, be supportive. Be su-. No, these are these are now adults who can make millions of dollars playing college football. The whole idea of treating them like they're our son playing football, you know, peewee, middle school, high school football, that's gone. You know, this is what fan bases should do. They, they shouldn't be irrational, and even though fan is short for fanatic, I get why a lot of fans feel great right now. I get why a lot of fans feel like I do right now, but this is not something where I can't be pleased uh, I expect CU to go undefeated and win the Pac-12 and this, but I expect more than what we've seen from CU. And I know they have the roster to do it. It's the coaching staff that I'm upset with. Look at the roster right now. <laughs> I would argue, just pure talent in the roster, we're probably th- third, maybe fourth in the Pac-12. What do you guys think? I mean, right around there? I yeah, mean, I mean, off the top of my head, I think Oregon, I think uh, Arizona USC State, is, USC. Is, yeah, and, and I think CU's right there in terms of talent. I mean, this is not a team that should be 2-4 and four right now. This is a team that, with the right coaching staff, should be succeeding. Let's put it this way, and I know this is a crazy hypothetical, but if Nick Saban and his entire staff started the year at CU, there's a very good chance this team could be undefeated, 5-1. and one. Who knows? So I think under the right guidance and supervision and, and coaching, this roster is great. Could Ed Orgeron be that guy? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Coach O. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. I think Coach O, for those who don't don't know or don't follow college football outside of, of the buffs, Ed Orgeron, coach of LSU, has announced he will not be back yeah, exactly. after this season there. So he's he's on the, the free agent he, market. I, don't, I wouldn't love to see him here in Boulder. Um, but either way, that's a whole different discussion. I don't, you know, if you guys would like to see Coach O, let us know at Buffs Podcast on Twitter. Well, maybe we'll talk about it next week but I don't I'm not a huge fan of him but either way um, I just wanted to make that clear that I don't want to be negative it's not my goal to come on here and be Skip Bayless and hot take and let's drive some content about CU and I'm going to be all no this is honest this is how I felt after the game I was no happier <laughs> than I was before the game like Ryan said I called him what yeah. two hours after the game ended yep. ranting and raving about however well and, and it didn't help that you get on Facebook and everyone's throwing a national championship party for the buffs because yeah. we beat Arizona but you know I, I feel like a lot of fans do have that mentality and I sit around a lot of those fans I sit by yeah. a lot of old alumni and people who've been going to games for a long time and it's like support the team no matter what 
some fans support the team in this way, being critical, understanding what you know what what they want out of the team. So, all right, let, let's kind of move on from that. I just wanted to make making it uh, known where I stand with that. You know, Jared's a little happier about the Arizona win. Uh, Ryan, we haven't really got your thoughts yet. Where do you stand with this whole uh, this whole? You happy? You sad? You, uh, you, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of you know as. I picked against the buffs uh, on last week's uh, show. Um, I'm kind of where you're at. You know, I'm, I have tempered expectations or uh, moving forward. Um, some positives that I did see is uh, Brendan Lewis letting it rip. You know, uh, there's still a few times where he held onto the ball too long, kind of, you know, screwed himself over by doing that. Um, but also what I, lo- what I liked, what I saw on Saturday was complimentary football. You know, your defense wasn't on the field the whole game or the majority of it. Your offense gave him some time to rest, and then you get some special teams play that also um, creates points in a different way. Right. Um, the turnovers, that was something that we haven't seen a lot of. The pressure on the quarterback, haven't seen a lot of it. So while, yes, I do agree with you guys that Arizona's talent level is is obviously subpar, um, a win like this can do a lot for your football team. And coming up next, we've got Cal. Cal played Oregon well, and we'll get into them a, a little bit later. But, um, you know, honestly another very winnable game if if you're the buffs if you play like you did last week 100 percent, it is yeah can we would you agree with that statement tyler that if they play the way they did against arizona they have a, at least a chance they should be competitive in that game if not beat win that game against cal why what makes you guys say that but the 34 nothing I think that the what here, I here, saw here. from this Buffs team this week but was what? good enough to beat bad teams, and I don't think Cal's a great team. I think Cal had a. I think Cal's uh, a lot better than Arizona. I is. agree with you. But but he, I think part of the disconnect too is is again for people new to this podcast and the podcast network that we're a part of, Woo's Media. Check them out online, w o o z e media dot com. A lot of good sports podcasts, including college football shows. I am uh, for my profession I don't, we don't talk about it much on this show because it's it's not really relevant but just to let everyone know I'm a professional sports better <laughs> I'm a data scientist I write computer code to to get my my answers and I bet sports for a living um, it's I don't approach it from a fan point of view I approach it from a data and numbers point of view so that's kind of how I look at these games right so I, I can't help but I sort of always have that lens now of, of looking watching football games that way. And my point is, whenever you get a team that has two touchdowns in a, in a game that are defense and special teams, you have to look at what that team did to produce points. And this final score is so misleading. Would you guys feel the same if it were 20-6, to six, if we beat Arizona by 14 points? Because it, the range of outcomes, that that's totally... Plus, I I guess sure. I'm talking less about the score as as it is. I agree with you that 34 to nothing is yeah. completely deceiving. So, so it's just how they look. I, it's I, more I the eye test. Looked, yeah. The the defense looked as good as they've looked all year. Again, I know the talent level. We can bring that up. But the defense was aggressive. They were looking good, and I saw an offense that's capable of moving the ball. Okay. And that's why again, I'm not I'm not gonna tell you that two weeks from now against Oregon that I that I expect the bus to come out and compete with the top teams in the country. But I think that I, well, I saw a team that's capable of being competitive. Okay. Uh, total offense, NCAA total offensive rankings this year. Arizona, 111 at 130. Cal, 59th. Guys, these are not even comparable. Cal is yeah, such yeah, yeah. a better offense. They Absolutely. took Oregon to the brink a couple weeks ago. Right. I, no, so the answer, to answer your question, Jared, no. 
I don't think that that defensive showing showed us anything. What that defensive showing was, was LeBron James beating a third grader in one-on-one. What the hell can we learn? What can we possibly learn from what we saw last week? I wasn't, I mean, Arizona looked dreadful. I learned nothing about CU's defense. Now, again, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but I know a lot of people are getting upset listening right now. CU's got an extremely talented defense. Going into the season, how up were we on this defensive line? I mean, heck, we got Mustafa back. These linebacking, this linebacking core is a top five linebacking core in college football, and we know how good the secondary is. So if your question is, how good can this defense be? This can be a top 25 defense in the country, but based on what I saw against Arizona, I'm not leaving that game going, that's what I'm looking for because I learned nothing from it. I mean, we had a Carson Wells had a ball fall into his hands, returned it for six. I mean, really did see you force a lot of those errors or was it just a really bad team? So that's, I didn't see much from anywhere on the field that makes me really, really, really excited or, or, you know, thinks that CU can just turn it on now. Uh, Ryan, I think you said it well. Tempered expectations. I think I think that it, for me, it gives me some maybe tempered optimism that hey, a confidence building game right. like this, then you go face a team like Cal that I think is a team that you can beat. Now they are going in as pretty heavy underdogs. I've seen nine points uh, for CU as and an that, underdog. Yeah, um, you know, and again for those out there that don't follow sports betting closely, that's going in expecting you know that the Vegas books are expecting Cal to win by nine points in this mm. game. But again, being at Cal, a home game, they usually get a little bit of a lean there. So I guess I should clarify a little bit of what I'm saying is is a win like that against Arizona, it is something to kind of boost your 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 team up. Uh, it's, it's things that you can't necessarily quantify on paper. I know when I was watching before that Arizona game, and even in the first half, I'd say, of the Arizona game, you you it was the same stuff I saw. Guys are making plays, and and teammates aren't congratulating them. Running backs are on the ground; their linemen aren't helping them up. After you get those that block punt, that that pick six, now guys are starting to buy in to each other a little bit more, and it's not so much of doom and gloom in the locker room and on the sideline where nobody when when he when uh, he blocked that punt. I probably saw 15 guys with water bottles spraying water all over the sidelines. They were so happy to finally just get in the end zone. Okay, that's that's actually a really good point that I can get behind because I totally agree with that. You can't quantify everything. You can't boil everything down to a number. And there is certainly something to be said about gaining momentum from a win, this team playing together finally, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. So if that's going on, which, which it, it obviously is, maybe that's going to lead to some good things for CU. And look... I just want to be careful because on paper and at the game, I didn't see a whole lot that made me excited, but right. wins do stuff, yeah. and wins change attitudes and momentum, and I've said this a lot this year. If CU happens to beat A&M and get a turnover or something happens, who knows what this season looks like? Yep. I mean, it could be completely different for that very reason. You know, if, if they win that game, things are different. This is an excited team, and so... I hope you're right. I hope there's a lot oh, going on. <laughs> yeah, I hope there's a lot going on outside the numbers. But this is going to require steady improvement week by week. So what we see next week is going to have to be an improved Brendan Lewis and improved offensive line from this week. And it's going to have to keep going throughout the season. Okay, I'm just, I'm not ready to say we're quite there yet. I agree. Right. 
It was good to see a win. It Look, it was good to see CU be the one doing the shutting out. Exactly. <laughs> you know, at least it went that way. So let's not be all negative here, but I just want to be so careful. I mean, right. you know, I, you know, I use analogies sometimes. What happened here? Again, another analogy. If you have a student and they've gotten all Fs all semester and at parent-teacher conferences, the teacher says, yeah, you know what? We're going to throw them a little, a little softball coming up here. We're going to give all the kids just a booster test, get all of them A's, make sure they do go, do well, okay? Guaranteed A. And little Johnny comes home with a B. How happy are we? That's my point with this. That's my whole point. Tyler, be careful. I think you might have just given out the inside scoop to public school. (laughs) Well, and and real quick, too, I just want to touch on, um, I'm very concerned about our offensive line. Um, Not getting any push, even against a bad Arizona team. Um, I don't know, Tyler, if you have it in front of you, how many rushing yards they actually did have, but... Nothing compared to what we saw from... 39 carries, 117 yards. Okay. Now, on 40, 39 carries, I'd expect that number to be, you know, 150 to 200 if yards. I'm yeah, not that's, mistaken, that's exactly Broussard had over 200 yards last year against Exactly. Arizona. So that's something that definitely concerns me is is the lack of push and ability to run the ball with, with CU's offense because that's just going to put more... More pressure on Brendan Lewis, and you know it kind of snowballs from there. And it's a lot of what we saw even before the Arizona game when Brendan was holding on to the football. Is they're having trouble running the football, and 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 when you're in third and long, that doesn't yeah. help. And you could say, well, maybe C was trying to work on the passing game. Maybe they were trying to get that going more and less of an emphasis on the running game. Not really. They had 39 rush attempts. They only had. 12 receptions. I, they threw the ball 19 times. As I'm watching rejects. that game, and I, I was actually watching from home. I didn't get a chance to go to the game this week. But as I'm watching that game, I I actually saw exactly what I called for, which it seemed like in that first half, they were trying to avoid having Brandon Lewis throw the ball much because I think they understood what, what I kind of said going in, which is you can beat this team just running the ball. Right. Just be successful running the ball. And they really weren't that successful. They were successful enough to get themselves down the field. But as we saw throughout the whole first half, they couldn't get in the end zone. They kept ending in field goals. Yeah. Um, and the so, crowd didn't like one of them. Crowd was booing. Absolutely. And, yeah, one of them. Uh, but, uh, but, but you know, for the bus, again, I think getting that spark really helped uh, with, with the turnovers and stuff. But really throughout the game, they never ran the ball all that well. All right, let, let's get positive here. Let's talk sure. about Let's talk about because my whole thing has been Arizona was so bad. But you have to at least go out there and perform, like you guys have said, and see you, you know, outside of... Brandon Lewis is looking better. I will say that. At least he's throwing the football, moving his feet. Like, this is the progress we want to see. But the only only issue is you look across the country and you see a lot of other true freshmen. It's, you know, throwing for 404 touchdowns. Like, whoo! You know, but either way, Brandon Lewis improving. That's what we can ask for. Uh, Before we get to the running, let's stick with the passing game. Brendan Rice, we mentioned him. I love the quotes we heard from Brendan Rice before last game. He's not quitting. He's got a little bit of that Jerry Rice fighting him, and you got to like that. So he's showing up producing. Montana, our boy Montana, had three catches, 52 yards. Alex Fontenot, Chris Carpenter, Daniel Arias, uh, Demetri Stanley, all getting involved in the passing game. Good to see the ball being spread out. And that's one thing. It's common for young quarterbacks to fall in love with one target, right? You start getting used to a guy, you lock in on him. That's not happening. So you have to like that. He's spreading it out and getting all these receivers and running backs involved. On the ground, Broussard led the team with uh, 13 carries, 53 yards. 
Uh, Deion Smith, five carries, 23 yards. Alex Fontenot, 11 for 19. Alex Fontenot didn't get the production. I'm okay, though. You know, Fontenot's one of those guys. Give him the rock. He's tough, especially inside the 20s, inside the 10. You know, that's where I like to see Fontenot. But um, I, I really don't have a huge issue with these running backs, per se. It's more maybe the line doing them a little, a little more help because we know how good these guys can be in open space. But uh, Brandon Lewis, five carries himself. 11 yards, Brendan Rice, a couple of carries for nine, and then uh, Jail Stacks, one for four. So, uh, you know, running backs looking uh, not the best numbers, but that's what we can ask for. You know, they go out there, look pretty decent. And then uh, defensively, obviously, pick six from uh, Carson Wells. A lot of quarterback hurries, a lot of tackles for losses. I mean, good God, Carson had four himself. Well, and you kind of mentioned that that interception really did kind of fall in his lap, but overall, Carson Wells had a great game, and that's the probably the first time you can say that all season. He really was disruptive at the line of scrimmage, getting in the backfield. Um, there was so many early in the game. Arizona kept trying to do that like wide running play, and he's just laughing at him because every time he's just standing right there in the backfield. So he had a big game. So it was good to see that from Carson Wells, who's kind of been a little quiet so far this year. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Lewis uh, leading the team with seven solo tackles. Nate Landman. Had four, Christian Gonzalez six. Yeah, a lot of secondary getting involved with the, with the tackling. That's tackling fuel right there, as they say on, uh, <laughs> uh, what, what is that? What was that? Uh, that's Waterboy. Water yeah, there's Waterboy for all the kids out there. Uh, so, yeah, good numbers defensively. Nine tackles, nine tackles behind the line of scrimmage, two sacks, and four passes defended. So, good stats pretty much. Uh, I mean, again, not great. You know, no Heisman stats on there, but... CU's back in the win column, and that's what we asked for on here. That's what we want. CU to keep winning, and I promise the tone on this will change. And if if you're a t- if you're a fan out there who's listening, going, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Try listening to some New York sports radio for thirty minutes. Yeah, you know, that's what that's what happens sometimes when you're passionate about your teams. They're not doing how you want. Sometimes that's what happens. All right, let's break down the Cal game. See you on the road at Cal next week. Before that, though, let's get to this week in Colorado football history. Uh, Producer Ryan, what do we got for some uh, history this week? Uh, We're going October 21st, 1972. The Colorado Buffaloes upset the number two Sooners in Boulder, uh, 20 to 14, uh, before a national TV audience on ABC. I love that. The days when the upsets were here. Hey, we got some games coming up this season. A couple upsets on the horizon, 2021. Ever want to cross anything well, off the list too early? That's a bold <laughs> prediction there, buddy. Uh, it is. Hey, we got the. do we have the CU fight song pulled up anywhere on the audio back there, Ryan? Do you, uh, do, you, do you have it? Well, it, it, it may be on the board. I'm not sure. And you mentioned the, the, the big upsets. I mean, the Buffs almost had the one of, of then number five A&M earlier this year, but there's been a few in our day and just in our lifetime. No, We've seen some sure. big upsets for the Buffs. Do we have it, Ryan? Before we do the Cal game, let's let's go ahead and play a little Buffs fight song. That's how we get things going on here. Let's hit the reset button. Get excited for Cal coming up this week. All right. Cal is 1-5. Colorado is 2-4. and four. You look at the records. Uh-oh. Maybe we got the better team going in. Well, like Jared said, that's not what Vegas thinks. Nine-point favorites. Cal is at home. So, uh, Cal on the season. Their only win coming against Sacramento. Is that Sac State? I just see Sac on there. It's one of the 
those teams. Like the Sacramento Snakes. Sacramento State. Sac snakes, State. Yeah. Woo. No, Saskatchewan. <laughs> it's not the Snakes. Yeah, I just made that up. They, they look like snakes. That's why I was going with it. I think we're rolling with it. Uh, but Cal's had a lot of close games this year, and and opposed to CU. Like, look, you look at the Buff schedule, and there's some games that kind of got away from them a little bit, right? Minnesota, thirty to nothing. USC, unfortunately, got a little bit away. Now, hey, we got one for ourselves last week, but California. Stays in games. They lost to Nevada by five. Nevada's a really good team this way about this year, by the way. Uh, they lost on the road at TCU by two. They lost to Washington by seven, and they lost to Oregon by seven. So all those are one score games. You know, Cal stays in it. They just don't have enough to close it out. Their most recent game came two weeks ago against Oregon. So Cal is coming off their uh, bye. Are they coming off a bye week or no, did they just no, play no, early they, last week? They so just they had a bye and then Friday. they played Friday. Against. So they're coming off one extra day at prep, which yeah. what, what are you going to attribute that to? Or, you know, how much is that really worth? Um, this is a team that likes to balance things out. They th- they've uh, thrown it 216 times this year and they've run it just shy of 200. So really a balanced team and they don't have much trouble doing really whatever they want to. Uh, in terms of success on third down, they can run or pass. Success early in the in the downs, they can run or pass. Their quarterback Chase Gabers, sixty-one uh, percent completion percentage, nine touchdowns, five interceptions, one hundred and twenty-nine point five quarterback rating. On the ground, they use pretty much a two running back system. Now, Damian Moore is going to be their lead back. He's got uh, three hundred and fifty-nine yards in the year with five touchdowns. Christopher Brooks is kind of more their speed guy. He's got one touchdown on the year. Uh, but those are two good backs. So he's going to have to be aware of them and certainly uh, do their best to shut them down running the football. Out of the backfield catching, not as much of an issue. So that's one thing CU's had to deal with recently. Quick guys out of the backfield, receivers catching the football, not a lot going on here. So that should be a different approach. And I think easier on this defense, focus on getting to the quarterback and uh, shutting down the, the uh, pass vertical. Uh, receiving, like I said, uh, no running backs really involved. Moore's got nine catches. Brooks has eight. But they have a lot of guys who they throw to. And again, CU, you know, you guys know this is CU fans. Last couple of weeks, it's been one main receiver. Arizona had one guy who they like to utilize. USC has one guy who they like to utilize. This team spreads it out. They don't have They don't have any receivers with more than 22 catches. But they have five guys with more than 13 catches. So right there sandwiched together, no one really standing out. Uh, a whole bunch of guys with uh, one or two touchdowns on this team. So uh, I, I think one of the keys for this defense, for CU's defense, is going to be everybody doing their job. They're probably going to play a lot of man-to-man, but but you're, you're not going to rely on double coverage or shading like you did against Arizona. You're going to have to have, you know, to do your job and make sure you're not getting burned individually. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you make. It's it's really the pressure is going to be on those linebackers, uh, those safeties in in coverage on these receivers. And I think the other aspect of it that you have to watch out for that the Buffs haven't really seen the last few weeks is the the second leading rusher in terms of attempts and yards for uh, Cal is is their quarterback. It, so the, right. they are going to run with their quarterback, and it's an, an element that is always tough on a defense especially when you have these linebackers in coverage things like that so. yeah i didn't mention that chase garbers their uh, quarterbacks actually their second leading rusher on the team so that's a great point jared and i mean do you think that cu's adjusted because you know you remember four years ago three years ago whenever cu played a running quarterback it was a long day 
things have changed a little bit recently, but do you think that they're kind of at the point where you're comfortable with it? I, I think they have the athletes on defense that it shouldn't be an issue for them. And I think guys like Nate Landman, guys like Carson Wells can be utilized to keep a quarterback like that in the pocket, keep him from running on some of those RPOs and things like that. So that's something that I think you do have to go into the game with a focus on not letting him beat you. The way I always look at it, even if a quarterback is a good passer, you don't want him passing and running. And so if you can shut down the run and, and make him only beat you uh, with his arm, I think that's, that's a way you can take a part of his game away. We mentioned that Cal is ranked 59th in the country in total offense. Uh, they have scored only 17 offensive touchdowns. That's not a very high number for a team who scored that many points. So what they do is they rely a lot on field goals, a lot on defensive touchdowns, and they're not great in the red zone. So this is an opportunity that if CU, for this CU defense to maybe bend, not break. If you are going to give up some yards, you are going to give up some of those middle-of-the-field passes, that's fine. Stop these guys, get them in the red zone where they're not comfortable, and CU can do some of their work. And I think that's one thing that CU has improved on recently, red zone defense. We saw it against Arizona. We saw it a little bit the week before against USC. You know, look, a lot of those USC touchdowns came from outside the red zone, <laughs> unfortunately. But I think CU's improving there. So that is one area where CU's showing strength, uh, Cal, maybe not so much. So, hey, if CU gives up some yards, that's okay, but uh, maybe a different story in the red zone. All right, when CU has the football, let's look at uh, total defense here. Uh, Cal total defense right there, 88th. So uh, not fantastic. They've given up 21 offensive touchdowns. They're giving up almost six yards per play. So this is where CU can kind of get their rhythm going is run the football, you know, against this Cal rushing attack that, or this Cal rush defense. that's not spectacular. I think this is the game where you see Broussard Fontenot getting going. And we talked about this before, and I know this is kind of old school football, but using the run to set up the pass, that's what CU needs to be doing this season. And I think it's a good opportunity to do this against Cal. Like I said, holes on the D line, not the greatest linebacking core, I want to see a rushing attack this week from CU. I'm okay with 39 carries, the same amount that we saw against Arizona, but I expect double the yards this week. Long rushes, control the clock, control the flow of this game. That to me is going to be so important if uh, CU is going to get the win. And and uh, I'll just kind of add on to that because I really agree with everything you're saying there is take what you did last week. I'm not saying replicate it, but build off of that. I think continue to find creative ways to get your playmakers the ball and, and, and don't always put it on Brendan Lewis's shoulders to do that. I think you have the athleticism at the receiver position, at the tight end position, and with your running backs that you can do different things uh, and be creative and I think help Brendan Lewis to take some of that pressure off of him and, and hopefully get this offense building off of a bit of success in the second half. It took him a while to get going, but Brendan Lewis had a couple of really nice drives in that second half that I think you can build off of and, and and hopefully show that it wasn't just a fluke against a terrible team well i mean look i think he's got an opportunity to do so because when the buffs finally do go to the passing game this which i hope it's the same we get a heavy dose of the run and you let brendan kind of you know kind of work his way into the game cal's only had eight sacks on the year i mean they played six games they have eight sacks so they're not constantly putting pressure on the quarterback and doing their damage that way let's see if we can get quarterback hurries here now I don't have that pulled up, but but either way, that's that's a good stat for CU. You know, it's something that I think. Let me put it this way: I believe this game has a lot of areas where CU does good things, and Cal necessarily doesn't. You know, Cal may struggle in some areas where CU excels. 
And I think we can all agree in Buffs Nation, the Buffs aren't excelling it that much this year, but those few areas they are, it seems like we'll have an a, a kind of an avenue to succeed against Cal. So uh, let, let's let's just give a key to the game. Mine will be keep the. I'll go to the offensive side of the football, like I said. Uh, keep the ball on the ground. I want to see a heavy rushing attack. I don't really care about the touchdowns. I don't care about it. Get us down inside the red zone. Do the work. And then, hey, I'm okay to see Brendan throwing some red zone attempts. I'm okay to see whatever you want to pull out of the bag. Or, hey, you want to keep running it and, and jamming it down their throats. That That's fine, too. But I want to see the running backs doing a lot of the work in between the 20s. I want to see Fontenot get going. I want to see uh, uh, Broussard get going. And, heck, let's pepper, let's pepper in two or three other backs. Get them some touches as well. The rushing game for CU. Control the clock, control the flow of the game, score, keep it out of Cal's hands. I think that's going to be the key this week for the Buffs. I think the key is is to see Brendan Lewis continue to develop off of last week because in my mind, that is the only way the Buffs are going to be able to win this game. I think they're going to have to score some points to keep up with this Cal offense. And in order to do that, Brendan Lewis is going to need to throw the ball. So I think find ways early in this game to build his confidence, get the ball out of his hands, see if you can't drive down the field and get a quick early touchdown to build his confidence and let him play with a lead. So I think getting Brendan Lewis uh, – you know, playing confident and utilizing, like you said, the running game, your defense to play complimentary football. That's what's gonna it's gonna take for the Buffs to win this is to actually build off. Of I can't that. wait till I can't wait till we see a, a fire in Brendan Lewis back there. I can't wait, man. It's it, hopefully it's sooner than later. All right, Ryan, uh, your key to the game. Uh, yeah, just just continue the complimentary, like I brought up earlier, the complimentary complimentary nature of of that week against Arizona. Um, you know, I think without uh, solid special teams play and uh, defense, you know, forcing pu- putting the pressure on the opposing team, I really only think uh, this year's Colorado offense at the high end is maybe good for twenty or twenty one points. So I think you need to see. All three phases come come together. Continue to build off what you had last week. I think so too. You know, let's, let's see this defense get another defensive score. Let, let's make it uncomfortable for Cal. And heck, let's go on the road, get a big win, keep this thing going. Let's go, Buffs. We'll talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation podcast. 